This episode of Let's Talk About Sex with Lynn and Jen is not intended as a substitute for seeing your own mental health provider. We are here to initiate conversations about sex. Let's keep the conversations going. You can find us on Twitter at TalkingSexPod or email us at TalkingSexPodcast at gmail.com. We also want to give special thanks to Nathan Diffie for our podcast cover art and our wonderful editor, Julia W.D. Harrison. Lynn Ponton and I, Jennifer Wong, are the executive producers. I'm Lynn Ponton of Let's Talk About Sex with Lynn and Jen, inviting you to listen to a podcast, Unmask, two therapists talking about psychological issues during the time of COVID. Please join us on in-depth conversations about COVID issues during this very challenging time. Thanks for tuning in. This is Jen from Let's Talk About Sex with Lynn and Jen, and I'm here with Lynn today. How are you, Lynn? I'm doing okay. We're still in the kind of the middle or the tail end, we hope, of the COVID epidemic, and we're hanging in there, but we'd like to hear what our listeners have to say about all this, too. Yeah, definitely. So we're continuing with the theme of Unmasked, where we talk about sort of going through this experience as a therapist and also what's going on for our clients and taking care of our own well-being throughout this whole process. And so today we thought what we could focus on is doing a little bit of reflection because we're in the new year. And also you and I were just talking before about what a unique situation it is to be a therapist going through a pandemic and and what it means to kind of hold space for other people at the same time that you're attempting to do that for yourself. I think I think that's been one of the real challenges for me with this cuz I I'm so pulled in to helping each of the individual patients and the families with their struggles that I haven't really done my own work. I think that I need with this epidemic and all of the personal problems that happened with it. So uh, it's, you talked about making this more uh, an episode about reflection. And I think that's really important that we start to reflect on this whole process, especially as we see it come close to the end, I think. Yeah, I I think that one of the things I noticed for myself is that, you know, obviously I tried to do things to take care of myself throughout the course of the, the year, but because I was seeing clients all the time, basically, you know, even when I had weekends, I was just kind of recouping. And so what I realized, for me at least, over the holiday break, where I actually did not see clients for two weeks, which I rarely do, usually I'm still available, I started to feel a lot of intense emotions and a lot of sadness. And I I was working through, I think, some of the grief that I had been tapping into in little bits, but I hadn't really taken time to truly sit and reflect on just the enormity of this situation and what it means to be a therapist going through the same situation, same prolonged situation 
as your clients. And so typically, you know, like obviously my life is not perfect. I have things going on while I'm working with my clients. But in this case, to be going through the same experience, but not having having sort of a the the same not allowing myself without realizing it at the same time to reflect and really fully process what it is to go through a pandemic making sure that your clients who are already dealing with certain mental health issues and you know being confined with people that maybe they don't want to be confined with <laughs> and uh you know working through that myself and i think that's been a really interesting reflection was just i thought i would be very relieved and joyful over the holidays and instead i i was going through some really really intense grief can you say a little more about the grief jen about what it was like for you what what do you think you were really beginning to see i mean i i think i was beginning to see how how enormous all of this is. Like, I think one of the things that allowed me to get through was just kind of take it day by day, take it moment by moment, take it client by client, and just really kind of, you know, I'm a very socially connected person. And so I think in a sense, I was confusing on some level some of the experiences that my clients were having through processing it with them, I felt like I was processing my own experience. But then to step back and say, yes, that was definitely helpful. I mean, but but that was taking on their experience and that I have my own as well. And so I, I think being able to look at the grief and say, wow, like, I don't think I've actually allowed myself to be sad for things that, you know, can can seem kind of simple on on the surface. Like, I was very excited this year to move down to LA and start my own practice here. And I found this like amazing office (laughs) space that I love. And I have not been able to use it at all. You know, and, and so things like that that seem kind of small but are actually a, a very big loss to me and just the emotional mm-hmm. roller coaster of the like excitement and then disappointment and and feeling like because this wasn't as major as maybe like my client who felt suicidal that like I wasn't giving myself permission to feel that loss for myself i i think a lot of people uh, you know, myself included, feels some of what you do that when we see other people dying, losing family members from this virus yeah. and truly suffering in a deep, deep way, it's hard to acknowledge our own losses really with it. Uh, being an older person, you know, over 65, I've been fairly confined through this whole period and yeah. deprived of the you know, the hugs and kisses of my wonderful grandchildren. Yeah. And uh, that's a, a deep loss to me. They've grown up and, you know, during this year, the li- one little grandson has learned how to write to me and sends me letters saying he loves me. Yeah. But it's really, even that is a sad, bittersweet reminder mm-hmm. that he's not sitting in my lap and 
by the time I see him, I worry he'll be too big to sit in my lap in some ways. Yeah. So these are personal losses that it's often hard to acknowledge when we see people, especially here in California, you know, dying and getting this virus every day. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I want to add to that too, because one thing I realized is how how lonely I have felt through this pandemic because I moved to LA, like I didn't know that many people. And so I don't have the same mm-hmm. kind of community around me. But because I'm constantly talking to people and I do feel a very warm, friendly regard with my clients, in a sense, it felt like I was filling that. And so on the weekends, I would be so tired that I wouldn't reach out to my my like outside of counseling, you know, like friends, like my life friends, I guess you would call them. And and so it ended up being a very strangely connected, but also very lonely time. And I didn't know how to like put that into words until I stopped to really like sit with it, I think. Again, I think what you're describing, almost everyone I've worked with has felt tremendous loneliness during this time. I didn't leave the place I've lived in for decades. I'm still in San Francisco, same city, same joyful place, but it's a ghost town. Nobody's here. You know, you drive the streets, everything's shut down. Um, you know, my neighbor's couple doors down the street still shut down. You know, the biggest area we have still open is we can take like kind of socially distant walks, but even that doesn't feel really that connecting. So you end up isolating, you know, no matter where you live, really, you're isolated from other people. I mean, I, I guess that's actually a good point now that you're bringing it up is that I I think I attributed my loneliness to not having a network because Mm -hmm. I was down here, right? But I do think if I had stayed in San Francisco, it would have been a very similar thing. But I think because I sort of normalized it for myself, well, you're in a new place, like you don't know people, like this is just how it is. Like, I I think that kept me from really somehow fully acknowledging the painfulness of being so lonely. A lot of older people are very lonely. And and I also see my friends in practice, younger people kind of frantically running around without masks, not following rules, making bad romantic decisions, you know, because they want to be with anybody, somebody, anybody. Just to have, to not feel this loneliness you're describing. Yeah. So I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't planning to focus just this on loneliness, but I think that it's really been powerful for me to allow myself to confront. I don't know if that's, to face the fact that like, even though I've been, I think in a way I feel very grateful because in having this profession by nature, I am connecting to people in a way that a lot of people are not socially, right? And so I think in a sense, I felt like it wasn't okay for me to have this and still be so lonely. 
Yes, I, I think our patients have, have really, in a way, been there for us, Jen. Yes. I think you're right. You know, during this period, we every day, you know, we face them, we talk with them, we, uh, but we through this, you know, and uh, we have to make sure we rebuild that once this epidemic is diminished. Um, I think we're having a lot of negative feelings at this time as we reflect on this. I'm angry. You know, you you were talking about loneliness and sadness. But I'm starting to feel huge anger, you know, around how the vaccine is being rolled out. Yeah. Since uh, we saw this past week in the capital of the United States. And, uh, you know, I'm not I, we saw a lot of angry people violate our nation, our nation's capital, our nation's heart, really. Uh, I, I understand that anger. I just would not want to do something horrible like that and, you know, cause more of that type of terrible disruption. But there's a lot of negative emotion out there that's not being acknowledged in our country, really. Yeah, I mean, I I think we live in a country where, like, truly sitting with unpleasant emotions and being able to differentiate between what it means to express an emotion and to act on that emotion. I think that is a discernment that is very challenging for a lot of people. And so I think what what you see in these experiences is people who believe that they're just expressing themselves, but they're actually like allowing their emotion to control their action instead of being able to be more conscious about the things that they're doing. Like, as you said, Mm -hmm. it's very valid that we feel angry. A lot of this is not okay. A lot of, I think, pandemic growth has been around challenging beliefs or a way of living that we assumed had to be a certain way. And I think there's also a lot of anger in recognizing that we have been following certain things that maybe didn't have to be a certain way. And I mean, I I think there's a lot of reasons to be angry. And I think that it's really not about telling yourself, you know, oh, you're not allowed to be angry, but really, what am I going to use this for? I talk about emotions with my clients as being energy for motion, right? So so it is an energy that comes up within you, but you do have a decision around what are you going to do with that energy? Is it going to be productive? Is it going to change things in a way that makes things better for people? Or is it going to come out in a way that is destructive and dangerous, right? Because there's like destructive in a in a good way where you're creating space for something new and better. But there's also putting people in direct harm, whether that be emotional harm, physical harm. And we saw all of this on TV recently. And I think I'm still haven't fully processed exactly what's happened. I just know that I felt very angry and shocked. And I think it, it's for me, at least, I'm still in a phase of trying to process all of it. The process you're going through, the reflection is so, so important. Marsha Nussbaum wrote a 
book about emotions is kind of the classic called up and uh, it's just what's really turned upside down our thinking mechanisms, especially strong emotions like anger, loneliness, you know, sadness, isolation. And they really change how we think, you know, about lots of things. But it's really what do we do with that? You know, do we act in a way for for good outcome to help others to connect? Or do we go in a very destructive manner with this? And I think we saw this last week, great destruction from these upheavals of thought that all these people were clearly feeling, you know, in terms of what we saw on television. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's such a great point in terms of, you know, when, when there's an emotional intensity there. I think particularly people... Because maybe we don't talk that much about emotion. I don't think people are always consciously aware of it being a form of physical pain as well. And mm-hmm. and I think, you know, when when you just experience that intense level of discomfort, but you don't know what to do about it, I think that propels a lot of people to to take action that can be very damaging to other people. Yes. And we saw that, um, you know, Trump feeling intense pain because he felt rejected and that that shouldn't have happened, should never have happened. And then what he does with that is so destructive to millions of people. Yeah. And really see that play out. But others, you know, the nation, also is feeling a similar pathway or there wouldn't be all of this action really following it. It's, it's really, um, it's an eye opener about what happens when very strong, powerful emotions are felt by groups, you know, and what kind of destruction can really take place with that. I think it's really, really important to understand group dynamics because I think we live in a society that tends to really focus on the individual and the individual is very important. We have agency and things like that, but I think we underestimate a lot of the time, the impact of group dynamics and this can be for the better, right? We've talked about gathering for like churches and singing and coming together as families and things like that. But also when you have that mob mentality, you know, it, it really is a, a different space. You lose your identity as a person and that influences your ability to make decisions that you would make as an individual. Yes. And I think that's a very important point that many of those people lost their own identity in that process. It was really very, very sad. No, to go back to the whole idea of these intense emotions that everyone is feeling in this country, I think what you're really calling for, Jen, is that we do have a period of reflection. And part of, you know, we've got to keep moving with Biden becoming our president, you know, and take action in a positive way. But I think this period of getting the vaccination allows some for that. You know, there's an over period of about three weeks as you get this. It is a time to 
to reflect on the epidemic that we've been through and the whole experience around it. You know, really, what has this been like? Yeah, I was just going to comment that one of the things you had mentioned earlier that I think would be really helpful for our listener is, you know, I I know that you have a background in working with people who have been through some major disasters, but you brought up that, you know, this has similarities to that, but also some differences. And I wondered if you could speak more to that. Yeah, no, I've thought a, a lot about it. I was the chair of the National uh, Disaster Committee uh, for uh, Child and Adolescent Psychiatry for 20 years. And in that capacity, I um, participated in the September 11th situation. Uh, certainly the San Francisco or the uh, Loma Prieta San Francisco earthquake situation and the Oakland fires, California fires. So lots of disasters. Most of those are single episode or very short episode. September 11th really encompassed a couple of days of direct action. But even all of those, if you look at September 11th, which was a powerful, you know, really disaster in America, that had consequences over, I would say, a decade, you know, where people lost family members, they were grieving, they couldn't believe it would happen. New York had struggles to rebuild the building, the Twin Towers, and they didn't even rebuild them as Twin Towers because of everything that happened. There's a lot that goes into disaster recovery, and we're really just at a very early stage of that. And we've been in the disaster for a year. So, we, you know, I think this is going to affect really the rest of our lives in some way. We're always going to look back at this period. I think I'm fearful Will we have more of these epidemics coming or viruses. That's one of my fears. And I fear for my children, grandchildren, and all my friends. And, you know, it's uh, for the world. There's a really concern about what's going to happen. But I think the process is one to think of yourself as just beginning this recovery process and to really be attuned to these negative feelings we're all having now, finally, you know, and, and to think about really how could we go through this? You know, what would be a longer timeline? What's going to be our emotional path? What's going to be our path of action to make differences in the world? Uh, you know, how can we help our leaders? You know, Biden is really asking, can you help? What can you do? What can you think of? You know, and that's important to ask ourselves these questions. Yeah, I, I think it's really important to recognize the stage that we're in and the uniqueness of this situation. And I think it's also great to reflect on sort of what are some of the techniques that we've leaned on to get us through these times, right? Because what I've noticed about myself and in, in kind of this whole loneliness piece and, and just the, all the reflection is I have a tendency to go into a like, things are fine, everything's fine, it's working, you know, and I can really trick myself in order to keep going to like be in that space. But when I slow down, it really just kind of like hits me like a ton of bricks, you know? And, and so I think it's important to 
recognize like that's not how it is for everyone right like I have a client who has basically been grieving this entire time and in a very cyclical way and she's only finally kind of getting to a place where she can accept that it's really happening and so I think it's also a great time to look at your strengths and where in the future you know you you want to take stock and say Mm -hmm. okay these are the things that were helpful. These were things that weren't helpful. And like, how can I take certain pieces with me, but leave certain pieces behind? And I I think that that's just a really important thing, not just like for getting through a pandemic, but just because in our lives, we go through situations that require sudden changes and that knock us out of our comfort zones and familiarity zones. And to recognize that there are pieces of this that we can really carry forward with us and and use to support us in any other challenges that come through our lives. You're kind of talking about everybody assembling that kind of catchy word toolbox. Everybody's going to have their own little strategy system. And I agree with you. Some of the things I've seen my friends and my patients using that have been successful One is creative methods, like getting a narrative to describe your experience through this epidemic, building that, constructing that so you can process it better. So some do it by drawing the kids that I work with, you know, some by writing stories. That's another important way to really talk about it, making songs, that kind of thing. All of that tells the story of this and is part of this reflection. I think other major tools is we are going to be able to reconnect with others, maybe listening to other people's stories, providing support for them and reconnecting with each other. So we're no longer as isolated through all of this. Those are two basic tools I can think of for others to use. Yeah, I think those are some major tools. And I I think it's really about learning to trying to think of the best way to phrase this. What I notice is that when when things are stressful, people tend to move towards an extreme. So they're either like extremely overwhelmed and inundated by their emotional experience, or they go into this sort of like rigid lockdown space. And I think being able to know which ways you tend towards and how to create a sense of balance through all of it is really helpful. I think that's important really for people to think about, Jen, you know, and to really look at during this period of reflection. And, you know, everybody does it a little bit differently. They really do. Yeah, I think any crisis is a good time when when you feel like you're getting to a, a breathing point, I guess, is what I call it. You know, like you've been holding your breath and you finally kind of exhale a little bit. You know, there's still more to come, but you feel kind of ready to kind of let a little bit, to surrender a little bit, I guess. I, I think that's a great time to reflect and and be able to to look at it as a way to understand yourself better, right? And and to be able to use that information to help you in the future. And that's uh, the disaster research work really shows post-disaster growth, like post-trauma growth is really humongous. 
So if you do use some of these tools, you build your toolbox, then you've got an opportunity to really grow and go with it. And that's what I'm hoping for you and for me. You'll learn more about your isolation and your sadness. And I'm going to learn a lot more about my anger through this because I've seen it really up in the front and forefront and it hasn't been there as strong before. So I think we've each got an opportunity to really go with this and to that to develop after this huge experience we've shared with others. Yeah, very much so. And so I I think as we come to a close, the thing that I really want to leave people with is that wherever you are, that's fine. Wherever you are, allow it to be, right? And whatever you're feeling, whatever comes up for you, give yourself the space to to ask yourself like what is really going to be helpful for you in this moment and and use it as a period to to reflect on yourself and and recognize that you know the growth comes later you've got to work through the messy part first in order to get to the growth piece it's a good place to end today take care jen all right thanks lynn come on Let's talk about-